0: and welcome to not just a sports report today it's all about jumping in to UFC 285 thoughts and comments not gonna do a long intro today just gonna get straight into it now the card was yesterday Australian time so started Sunday morning uh, through the Sunday daytime I watched the entire card enjoyed it thoroughly uh, and the best place to obviously start of course John Bones Jones Arguably the greatest of all time. I believe he's the greatest. And in that main event win, I think that all but guarantees and really uh, cements. I can't even speak English. Fucking hell. Uh, really cements Jones's status as the greatest of all time. Especially inside the UFC. Mixed martial arts. I guess you could debate that. Uh, but even before this fight, my greatest of all time uh, is John Jones. And I don't like to speculate at all. To be honest, when it comes to chats like who is the greatest of all time, I really don't care. I'm not one to speculate. It doesn't interest me a ton hearing all the different conversations and arguments because it's always going to be subjective. Uh, But I feel like this is one case where it's clear who the greatest of all time is, that being John Jones. Now, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silver, there are a few guys I watched coming through that definitely held that status. Um, And a lot of people obviously feel as though Khabib Nurmagomedov definitely enters the conversation But when you look at resumes and you stack everything up I don't think anyone can argue that John Jones is the greatest of all time Now as far as the actual main event John Jones has now captured titles in two divisions He is the world heavyweight champion Undisputed the UFC said Although there is a bit to dispute given everything that went down with Francis and But none of that was within John Jones' control, and we got the absolute best version of Jones in last night's main event. Now, a lot of the talk going in was what version of John Jones we were going to see, obviously, with him making the move up to heavyweight. It'd been about three years since we've seen him in action as well. well John Jones looked fantastic, he looked as good as he ever has, and made Cyril Garn look amateur. And Cyril Garn, this guy is the real deal himself. At stages, it looked like nobody was gonna be able to beat Garn. Well, Jones didn't just beat Garn, he steamrolled him in less than one round. An unbelievable main event to cap off a huge night of action, and that wasn't the only title fight with massive circumstances in the co-main event between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to go through the card from the first fight all the way up to the last. I'll probably do pretty quick thoughts in terms of the early prelims and stuff up to the main card. Then I'm going to go through my performance highlights. You can also find those over on our Instagram at notjustasportsreport. I've got my fight of the night from the card highlight moment performances of the night Uh, we're looking at some top prospects so all of that is over on the Instagram but I'm also going to talk about it today on the podcast so we're going to go through all the fights the performance highlights and then we'll be done we'll make this a nice pretty quick affair shall we so with that being said now there is nothing else to do but get amongst it UFC 285 thoughts and comments Alrighty, so I've got the post in front of me. My performance highlights is what we're going to start with. Uh, Performance highlights, essentially like a performance bonus, except I tell you what, I don't have 50 grand to be giving these fighters. So essentially like a performance bonus, except the fighters uh, they don't know or care. But these are my performance highlights and then I'm going to go through the card. So we have three performances of the night. Uh, First up, John Jones. I mean, To steamroll Cyril Ghan the way that he did, to win by submission with ease. He just took him down. And like at the time, watching live, I, I was shocked. I was like, did he even have that cinched in? He fully had it cinched in. A huge submission for John Jones. He is now the heavyweight champion. And that was my clear performance of the night. Then after that, I had another performance of the night. Interestingly as well, for the first time ever... All three of my performances of the night being submissions. So no knockouts making the list. And I love a knockout more than the next man or as much as the next man or woman or they, them. I fucking, I love a knockout, alright. But all three performance bonuses uh, where I don't give you any money are submissions. The second being Alexa Grasso. What a moment. Now, not quite... Juliana Pena up against Amanda Nunes but nonetheless a monumental upset. Now Grasso, I feel like the odds going into this fight did not reflect how quality of a fighter she was but in saying that it was more a reflection of just how dominant Valentina Shevchenko has been at 125 pounds. Now Alexa Grasso it was a close fight, but she was looking really good with her boxing early and then out of nowhere manages to take the back of Valentina Shevchenko who attempted from memory, uh, tried like a spinning kick. Uh, fucking uh, elbow. Man, I literally was thinking about this just a second ago, my memory failing me. Uh, it just, it happened in a split second. And all of a sudden, Alexa Grasso has the neck of Shevchenko and earns the submission finish. I'm a huge fan of Grasso's, so even though my money was against her, I was stoked to see this. That was my second performance of the night. Grasso by submission. Gee whiz, who saw that coming? That was one of only two fights that I got wrong across this entire card. Uh, Traven Jones was the other one. That was a fucking a bit disappointing. But 12 of 14, I gotta say, I was pretty happy. And in terms of gambling, you have good days, you have bad days, you have ugly days. And the bad and ugly days usually rear their head a little bit more than the good days. i tell you what, yesterday in terms of gambling, it was a good day. We had some fun. So my picks for the next card as well are going to come out during this week. I'm going to try and keep that form going. And yeah, uh, what's the next card? My bloody brain. I've been at work today. A bit scattered. Uh, Piotr Jan Mirab-Dashvili. That one in Vegas, but we're going to have a crowd for that. So yeah, stay tuned during the week and all my picks for that card will be out. Uh, But first two performances of the night, we have John Jones and Alexa Grasso and New for both of them, both submitting high-level opponents, elite-level opponents. Then my final performance of the night, another submission, Shavkat Rachmanov. This guy, he is the boogeyman. And yeah, I've been hyped as have many fans about this guy for quite some time. I did wonder whether the weight miss from Jeff Neal was gonna affect this fight. And I'm sure it did in its own way. Jeff Neal later posting on Instagram that he was lucky to even make the fight. Uh, But Shavkat, Rachmanov, this guy is unbelievable. This guy is on a tear, surging towards a title shot. And it looks like 2023, May just be the year he gets his shot at the belt. So I had Shavkat Rachmanov for that amazing submission. And not just his submission, but like his skills on the feet. He was hurting Jeff Neal throughout the entire fight. 17 wins. All 17 finished inside the distance. This one came close to going the distance. But Shavkat Rachmanov, he's the real deal. Proving that with my third performance of the night. My fight of the night... That very fight I just talked about, Shavkat up against Jeff Neal, it was a banger. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought Jeff Neal held his own. And just throughout that fight, it just felt at some point, someone is going to get knocked out or submitted. I had my money on Shavkat by submission, so I was especially happy with the result. Uh, But yeah, the contest itself was such a banger. If you were to go back and you wanted to watch UFC 285, I'd honestly, I'd recommend the whole main card, uh, but Bo Nickel was a highlight. Shavkat versus Neil. I'd start there, and I'd watch the two title fights after. That, that's the real shit right there. Anyway, moving on, and my highlight moment posted to our Instagram, that was the GOAT returning to action. John Jones coming into the UFC 285 and cementing himself. As the greatest of all time now a dual division champion as well and I tell you what I've watched plenty of main events in my time I don't know if I've seen outside of Conor McGregor anyone with such an aura about them there is a walkout for a main event which is always epic always sets the scene and then there was John Jones walkout yesterday I don't know. I don't know if anyone feels the same, if you watched it, but just the aura surrounding John Jones. And look, I know he's not the best bloke in the world, but we're not talking about the greatest bloke of all time. And his resume stacks up, and once it actually came time for the main event, it just, it had this different feel. McGregor is the closest comparison because he's someone that kind of transcends the UFC, and that's what I felt yesterday, seeing Jon Jones come out. The champ is here he hits, the crowd going ballistic. Even Surreal Garne's walkout was epic. Uh, but once Jon Jones came out, there was just this energy, this feeling, and we hadn't even seen him get into the cage. So all the questions still remained. Is this the same Jon Jones? Is he a better Jon Jones? Very well maybe a better version of Jon Jones. Which is a scary thought. So my highlight moment of the card was the return of John Jones. That walkout just it set the scene. And then to do what he did against an opponent, the caliber of Cyril Garn was just outstanding. So highlight moment was the return of John Jones. I thought as well during Fight Week. He was very giving to the media. Lots of chat from John Jones. And I really I liked this version of John Jones a lot. I put money on him, of course, and I was feeling very, very confident. But Cyril Garn, he's someone that's definitely capable of spoiling some grand plans, uh, but it was not to be. Now, we've got an elite contender. Now, elite contender, I post this uh, not every weekend because there's not always an elite contender on the card, uh, but for reference, the last elite contender was Tatiana Suarez. The elite contender from this card is Shavkat Rachmanov. This guy's on a surge. As I said, he's going towards a title shot. It is gonna be very hard to deny him a shot at the belt at some point later this year, or very early next year. This guy's not just an elite contender. He looks like the elite contender. Now I know a lot of people reserve that praise for Kamzat Chimaev who also seems destined to claim championship gold at some stage. But I think if you look across the entire UFC, someone has a gun to my head. I don't know why they would. But if they did, and they said, you have to name the most elite contender in the UFC. Shavkat Rokhmanoff, he's the guy I'm naming. And I tell you what, Jack Della Medalena, not too far off. At this stage, after how far he's gone in the division... And just the general hype, Shavkat Rachmanov is as much of an elite contender as it gets. But I tell you what, as an Australian, the thought of eventually seeing a fight between Jack Della Madalena and Shavkat Rachmanov, in the words of the great Philip Fry, shut up and take my money. So Shavkat Rachmanov, he is my elite contender. Then we have two top prospects. Uh, First top prospect, Bo Nickel, we already knew this, uh, and I think this isn't just a case of a guy who's got the UFC marketing team behind him, like yes, he's being matched up favorably, yes, he's being given a little bit more hype than your average UFC fighter would, especially someone with such a small or inexperienced MMA pro record, Uh, but Bo Nickel's the real deal. This is a guy I've been keeping an eye on even before he landed in the UFC. His wrestling, it truly is the real deal. And I've said the real deal a few times, Uh, but it's so high level to the point, like it's not just at the point where he can match it with anyone in the division. I I believe he genuinely could be, and by a fair stretch as well, the best wrestler in the middleweight division. A division that's not super wrestling heavy. So this is definitely a top prospect. And given all the chat of Alex Pereira and how we saw Israel Adesanya uh, able to exploit the ground game of Pereira, a lot of the chat, and I don't know if I fully agree with it, given that Alex does train with Glover Teixeira, but a lot of the chat is now that these guys in the middleweight division with some serious skills on the ground, think Rob Whitaker, think Marvin Vittori and the like, These guys are really starting to get hyped up now that Israel's been dethroned, obviously there's gonna be the rematch, but a huge narrative around 185 at the moment is that these wrestlers, these jujitsu practitioners, they could be the biggest beneficiaries of having an elite kickboxing world champion. There is no bigger beneficiary, in my opinion, than Bo Nickel. This guy's a top prospect, I believe he's going to be an elite contender, uh, but it's a matter of time. And given that he was $1.04, like he was such a heavy favorite, I put, I'll tell you what, I put $400 on Bo Nickel to win in the first round and another $200 on Bo Nickel by submission. Was there value? Not much, but that's how confident I was. (laughs) I was that confident. And the odds pretty much reflected that, that was going to happen. But Bo Nickel, his wrestling game is just so next level. Jamie Pickett, I've seen enough of him to kind of make an opinion, uh, like the guy as a fighter. But just in my mind, there's always a chance that uh, things can go the opposite way. But in my mind, like there was, if they fight a thousand times, I reckon Bo Nickel, he'd win close to 999. He might win all a thousand. Honestly, that's a pretty big claim, but I believe Bo Nickel is a top prospect. This, our first proper taste of him at UFC level, uh, but it is not gonna take him too long to work his way up in terms of the level of competition. Now joining Bo Nickel as a top prospect, uh, I went back to the early prelims for this one. Tabitha Ricci, the era of the baby shark. She's one I've been keeping an eye on for a while as well. Really liked what I've seen. She's been winning me money consistently. She's always consistent. And I just, I'm a huge fan of Tabitha Ricci. She's one of my favorites in the woman's strawweight division. And yeah, she got it done by submission over Jessica Panay, who has great skills in terms of submission defense and a really sturdy test. I know Panay now 40 years old, but it's a tough test. That for Tabitha Ricci, she had to pass that test to prove that she's worthy of really starting to make a run in the division. She did exactly that, so joining Bo Nickel as one of my top prospects from this card, Tabitha Baby Shark Ricci. Then I finished off in the performance highlights uh, with which fight to make next. And that one seemed quite clear cut. Uh, I've gone with John Jones up against Stipe Miochik. Uh, Stepe, he looks like he's been training. Obviously, it seemed like they wanted to run this one. In December, uh, John Jones, to his credit, has seemed like he's been down to fight for a little while. Stipe, though, look, he's a legend. He's definitely earned the right to wait to get his body right. Uh, And now it seems like everything's aligning. John Jones calling Stipe out after the fight. And I I think that's the right way to go. And in the meantime, as well, have Sergei Pavlovich and uh, Curtis Blades fight Winner of that faces winner of John Jones versus Stipe. It seems like we're getting a bit of clarity as to how the heavyweight division is going to move forward in the post Ngannou era. So that's my next fight to make. Stipe Miocic and John Jones and those were my performance highlights. So now there's just one thing left to do. I'm going to go from the first fight on the card all the way through to our main event and look we're under half an hour here so at the moment I'm gonna keep this nice and short so, you know, not take up your whole, not- whole night. I think I can give you my thoughts and comments pretty quickly. So, let's do exactly that. UFC 285, let's get amongst all the fights. Alright, so 14 fights to get through. Let's start with the very first. Uh, and look, this one is Sunday morning Australian time. I will be real. I slept for this one, Um yeah. I had my money on Loik Radzabov by decision, and I was like, you know what? When I have money on someone to win by decision, I don't want to make this about me, we'll get back to the action in a moment, but when it's by decision, I get kind of nervous watching, because I'm like, mm, I, I would prefer to see a knockout or submission, but for the sake of this bet, I'd like to see it go to decision. So I just was like, you know what? I'm gonna just sleep. For an extra 15 minutes and hopefully this one goes the distance. Uh, it did, with Loic getting the win. And yeah, this one I actually didn't see. Holy shit, just having a look at the numbers though. Uh, 11 takedowns landed by Loic, so far out. Thanks bro, he, he got me off to the start, start of the day. So that's a big win for him, but that was the only one I didn't see. Then we went on to bantamweight action with Jackson Wink's MMA's. Uh, Damon Blackshear up against Farid Basharat. Uh, I had Basharat by decision in that one. That was another one I'd obviously just kind of woken up. I did watch it, but I wasn't paying that much attention because I wasn't expecting a barn burner. Both guys pretty well versed on the ground. Uh, a lot of submissions in their arsenals. So I was expecting this to be a pretty grappling-heavy contest. and That's what it turned out to be. More takedowns and ground action than striking. Not that that's a bad thing, but Farid Basharat getting the decision win. So that's a big win for him. Obviously his brother Javid as well on an absolute roll. So Fareed, he gets that first win in a nice little spot too on a pay-per-view card over Damon Blackshear. And yeah, that was one, don't have too much to say about that one other than just one of those guys. We're set to move forward in the bantamweight division the most stacked division inside the UFC, might I add. So it's a big win for Farid Basharat, and we'll have to wait and see what's next for him. Then after that, one of my top prospects, Tabitha Ricci, with the second round submission over Jessica Penne. Uh, i got to say as well, like this is the last I'll say about my bets for the day, and I'll just leave it here. We won't. Uh, but my first three picks that I put money on was Loik by decision, Farid by decision, and Tabitha Ricci by submission. So by this point, I've gone from at the first fight, fast asleep, by the third fight, I am fucking up and about, up and about. So Tabitha Ricci, she's someone definitely to keep an eye on in the strawweight division. I think she can go really far. Do I think she's a future champion? I'm not exactly sure, but I think she can be there or thereabouts, and she has top 15 written all over her so massive win for tabitha ricci then after that uh actually on the early prelims this was the only one that i didn't pick exactly right uh cameron simon this is a kid with a very bright future such a wild style as well very technically sound though very accurate it's not wild in terms of throwing big shots but you just don't know what this kid's gonna come out with mana martinez missed weight which I wasn't super impressed with Uh, and mana no one for having massive brutal knockout power Uh, but he's not someone that I'm have been keeping tabs on or like following that closely in the bantamweight division whereas Cameron Simon I have been following uh, and I'm a big fan of his so he gets the decision win and in terms of the bantamweight division I mean there are so many guys that Simon can face next. He's still a young kid as well. Uh, so I'm interested to see who they match make him with. They went Mana Martinez here. Uh, who has faced Ronnie Lawrence before? Ronnie Lawrence was originally supposed to face Simon uh, in Simon's last bout, but that didn't eventuate. So I do wonder maybe that's the route we'll see them go, Ronnie Lawrence up against Simon next. And then uh, to cap off the early prelims Ian Machado Gary. This was a really fun fight. Gets the third round knockout with just under 40 seconds to go. Uh, but the first round, Son Kanan just rocked Gary. Like, it was like, oh shit, this could be a huge upset right here. But to Ian Machado Gary's credit, he just brushed himself off, composed himself, looked a lot better in that second round. Even better again in the third. And he managed to wrap up the finish uh, just before the end of the fight. So Ian Machado, Gary, I know he was looking for a ranked opponent. Son Kanan, not a ranked opponent, basically. Uh, But to be honest, Ian, Gary, his last two fights were like, eh. In terms of actual, like, entertainment, he went for the decision. And I was thinking about it. And I'm like, it makes total sense. It's actually very smart that he hasn't rushed into this thought of, like, I need to finish, guys, and just get my hype up to the maximum. There's nothing wrong with gaining some cage time and some experience and going the full distance. Uh, But I believe that's why Ian Gary wasn't facing a ranked opponent here because he wasn't finishing his opponents. He was just winning by decision. Uh, So to get the finish here, now his stocks continue to rise. And at 11-0, Ian Gary definitely one to keep an eye on. So interested to see as well who they match make him with next. I know he wants a ranked opponent. Welterweight's stacked. At this stage, I think there are other guys in the welterweight division who aren't ranked, who, in my opinion, probably deserve a shot before Ian Machado-Gary. So I'm going to say he doesn't get a ranked opponent next, but he gets someone there or thereabouts. And over the next couple of fights this year, Ian Machado-Gary has a massive chance to take himself from a young prospect Into a genuine contender. So big win for Ian Machado Gary. Then we went to the prelims. Marc-Andre Barriol finishes Julian Marquez in the second round. That was a masterclass from Power Bar. Uh, Marc-Andre took a bit of damage and I had my money on Mark, So I was was quite nervous during the first round. Julian Marquez, very explosive. Uh, This one had not going the distance all over it. Julian Marquez, win or lose, Uh, more often than not, there's a finish in there. Uh, So I kind of saw it happening. But then once Marquez was on the front foot in the first round, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, like, this might not go my way. Uh, But power bar, just a perfect strategy. First round goes to Marquez. Second round, Marquez hasn't run out of steam, uh, but he's definitely used up a fair bit of petrol just to get from A to B. Marc-Andre Barriol, he was on a full tank. And you could see that in the second round. Barriol absolutely punishing Marquez and then just, he just went after him. He just went full throttle, just kept laying shots into him. Uh, It took a while. Like he didn't just knock him out in one go. Julian Marquez, is tough as a $2 stake. I think Joe Rogan said on commentary as well, he made a really good point. He's like, you're gonna have to fucking take Marquez out. Like, this guy ain't going to quit. You're going to have to take him out. And to Marc-Andre Barriot's credit, he did just that. He just emptied the tank and just kept going until Marquez crumbled. So big win for Marc-Andre Barriot. He's had mixed results as of late, but up against really high-level competition. A great step forward at 185 for the French-Canadian. Then after that woman's flyweight action, we had Amanda Rebus beating Viviane Araujo. Uh, by decision. That was another one I got exactly right. I'm not even trying to flex, but that one had going the decision all over it. Um, Viviani actually looked in control early. Amanda Rebus, I was a bit concerned in that first round. She wasn't looking great, Uh, but then as the fight went on, Rebus just kept getting better and better. And I think that's a better strategy rather than being the better fighter in the first five minutes to just continually progress throughout the fight and improve and get better. I and mean, she worked it well, Amanda Rebus. It was a very close fight, but in the end, she had almost double the significant strikes, although it didn't seem like it watching the fight. Um, and yeah, two takedowns for Amanda Rebus. So a very clear-cut unanimous decision victory. And now for Amanda. Well, she starts to make waves at 125. And in my opinion, the women's flyweight division, when you talk about female MMA, this is the hottest division in the world. And Manon Fior, Valentina Shevchenko, the new champion, Alexa Grasso, these are all talents I've been watching very closely. You've got Casey O'Neill. Did I forget Erin Blanchfield? In my opinion, the best of the lot. Women's flyweight really starting to heat up. Amanda Rebus has entered the chat. Big win for her on the prelims. Then after that, uh, Drakus Duplessis DDP, knocks out Derek Brunson. That was a fun fight as well. Derek Brunson really tested Drakus Duplessis. He's someone who is on my not-just-a-sports-report, like, favorites, Duplessis, I've been backing him ever since he entered the UFC, and he hasn't let me down. So, like, I'm a huge fan of DDP. Massive fan of Blonde Brunson as well. Uh, So this was a fun fight. I thought Brunson really tested Duplessis. It was pretty much exactly how you want to see the South African get tested if he is to go on to challenge for the title eventually. And Brunson, he troubled Drakus. But in the end, Duplessis got the knockout at the very end. One second to go uh, in the second round. So Drakus Duplessis... This is a guy in the middleweight division who is definitely, definitely one to keep a close eye on. Uh, he was a whisker away from being my elite contender, uh, but I just think Shavkat Rokmanov is just ahead of him. Just ahead of him. I think Shovkart is ahead of everyone. But Drakus, there are still definitely some elements of his game that suggest to me maybe a loss isn't too far away. When he comes up against the right, or in his case, the wrong opponent. Uh, But this wasn't to be the loss. I I saw this one coming as well. I had DDP by knockout. Derek Brunson, he's had issues in the past. I mean, we saw him get brutally knocked out uh, by Jared Cannonier, And it's been his chin that has let him down. Certainly hasn't been his ground game. So Drekus Duplessis takes a massive step forward and claims a huge scalp to now really get amongst the title conversation. Like Dreykas Duplessis, a couple of wins away from being the next title challenger. So massive win. Then in the featured prelim spotlight position, Cody No Love Garbrandt, back in the winner's column. Good for him, had a stack of issues through his fight camp as well. So it was a miracle that he was even in the cage and yeah, he beat Trevon Jones. Stoked to see Cody Garbrandt get this win. It's been a while, and I don't like watching fighters go on slides. It's not fun watching the decline of a fighter. But then you think, Cody Garbrandt is only 31 years old. This guy isn't done yet. The biggest question was his chin. Is his chin going to hold up, or has he just taken too many miles, and it's done? Well, it's certainly not done because he beat Trevon Jones. Did I say Trevon Giles? I always get those two confused. Uh, Trevon Jones. Look, as someone who had my money on Trevon Jones and literally had won every single fight up until that, uh, up until this point. Um, yeah, like what I saw from Trevon Jones was not impressive. Am I going to be super critical? No, you're in there against a former bantamweight champion of the world. Cody was the favorite. He was expected to win. It was a huge step down in competition for him, but I just thought. In a showing against someone the caliber of Cody Garbrandt, I just thought Trevin Jones missed the mark. And, yeah, I, that fight was, like, not hugely highlight-worthy. The first two rounds were on behalf of Cody Garbrandt. Uh, I thought he made that fight entertaining, but Trevin Jones didn't do a whole lot uh, and now slips to a 13-10 and won no contest record. So, yeah, Trevin Jones... That is the last I'll be confidently betting on him. Although I didn't bet on him confidently. I just went for him. But Cody Garbrandt, how good. No love. Back in the frame at 135 pounds. I will be interested to see who they match up Garbrandt with next. But now we've got five fights to get through. Uh, The main card of UFC 285. And we kicked off with Bo Nickel and Jamie Pickett. And I'm gonna be real to start the pay per view. I booked this one too. I was a good citizen. And I put down my cold, hard-earned cash, paid for this one. And I remember because fucking Fight Pass was fucking up, and I was like, Are "You serious? You don't? I will stream every event again. Don't. I only like to book the really good ones." Side note: If Dana White fucking paid his fighters properly and just didn't act like a fucking scumbag. Then I would book every pay-per-view. But they make them expensive as fuck. And it's not even going to the fighters. So, Hmm. meh. Uh, But yeah, I had booked it. There were issues with Fight Pass. And the first fight is Bo Nickel, Jamie Pickett. I got about 600 bucks on this. I need Bo Nickel to come out in the first round and submit Jamie Pickett. So these issues were really fucking me around. I was like, this ain't ain't a 15-minute contest. I need this fucking working immediately. Then, I finally get it working, I'm sitting there, I'm watching all the pre-video of John Jones and Serial Gun, and I'm thinking, fuck, it says stream will begin shortly, like this is taking a fucking a while. I thought the fight was already supposed to start. Then I realized I had rewound right back to the very start. Luckily, real time, I get to the cage and just skips to live. Bo Nickel's already got Jamie Pickett down. So that's the first thing I see. i like, hey, well, that's good for me. That's pretty much exactly what I thought was going to happen. And there we were. Tune in. Bo Nickel's already got him on the ground. Not much longer. And then he submits Jamie Pickett. Not surprised at all. And, yeah, I spoke about Bo Nickel. This guy is so legit. And I believe, like, this is a title contender here. Now, only four fights. He's only 4-0. So they are going to have to build him up. You can't just jump from, like, I mean, you can't just jump from Jamie Pickett to, like, the top of the crop of the division. But as far as skills, Bo Nickel's there. Now, we're yet to see him get tested on the feet. That is a narrative that's definitely going to play out at some stage. But at the moment, no one can even give themselves a chance to contest this on the feet. Bo Nickel, far too good, just far too good. Took down Pickett, submitted him in under three minutes. I don't think anyone was surprised. And yeah, that was basically set up for that to happen. Like, I wouldn't have put so much money on it if it just didn't seem like, all right, well, here's Jamie Pickett, the guy who got submitted by Kyle Dorcas. Uh, we'll throw him to Bo Nickel. So yeah, good start for Bo Nickel. Very curious to see what's next for him and I wonder if he'll have a short turnaround given how dominant his fights have been at UFC level. Then after that, a fight that I was super keen for, uh, Jalen Turner, Mateusz Gamrot. I'm of Polish heritage, so I'm a huge fan of Gamrot, but to be honest, I'm actually a bigger fan of Jalen Turner, the tarantula. This is a guy I've been a fan of at Lightweight and I I was kind of penciling him in as a potential contender. Now I went with Gamrot in my pick but I don't think Jalen Turner lost any stock in this contest. He actually led the significant strike numbers. It was just the takedowns and the ground control time that won Gamrot the fight. Uh, But Mateus Gamrot, like this guy's next level. He's 22-2 and won no contest. His last fight was a loss against Benil Dariush. Now if he wins that, Gamrot is basically one win away from fighting for the title. So that tells you how good Gamrot is and a really quality win for him to help steady the ship and keep himself as a fixture in the lightweight division's top 10. Uh, But for Jalen Turner, I am still such a huge fan. I think he's only going to benefit from this loss. Great experience, pay-per-view card up against an elite opponent and Jalen Turner more than held his own to the point where I believe if he had faced Dan Hooker, as originally scheduled, I reckon Jalen Turner wins that. So, look, in defeat, I'm going to say it, Jalen Turner, I am still a huge fan, and I still think the best is yet to come for the Tarantula. But that fight belonged to Mateusz Gamrot, and now he's back on the course for a title shot. Then, well-to-wait, fight of the night. I've already spoken about it. Shavkat Rachmanov submitting Jeff Neal. And, yeah, just having a look. Uh, The striking was just insanity from Shavkat. He looked like he was going to put Jeff Neal away several times. And what I'm doing here, uh, because I spoke about that fight, Shavkat getting the win. He's the elite contender. As I said, he's on track towards a title shot. Having a look at the rankings, and he's in ninth now. Tied with Vicente Luque. I would have Shavkat above Vicente Luque. Um, but I can understand, I can understand why they wouldn't. But then again, like, Jeff Neal knocked out Vicente Luque and looked pretty dominant in that fight. And then Shavkat submitted Jeff Neal. So, uh, I mean, I would have Shavkat above Vicente Luque. But there you go. Uh, I'm seeing Jack Della Madalena in 14. I mean, it would be fucking out of this world like out of this world if that's the next fight that they announce and there's a world where that's a reality i mean number nine versus number 14 that makes sense shavkat though i mean he's moving forward at such a rapid rate maybe someone like sean brady he's already beaten jeff Neal. oh maybe they haven't adjusted the rankings yet because jeff Neal's still seventh so shavkat will probably move into that seventh spot my apologies you got Stephen Thompson, uh, Gilbert Burns, who's booked, Bilal Muhammad. I reckon that's the fight to make. Bilal, though, seems pretty steadfast that he wants next title shot. Uh, but I don't think that's guaranteed. I mean, Bilal's looked awesome, but in my opinion, I'd like to see him win one more. Uh, Shavkat Bilal sounds good to me. Shavkat comes at Shamayaf. Uh, that feels like one that we should wait for. It feels like th- there could be a better time for that. Colby Covington, I mean, that probably the best of the lot, um, other than Chemayev and Shevkat. Uh, but Colby, like, who knows? There's legal issues with Mars Fidel. Even when he was, like, not going through those legal issues, like, Colby's not a guy who takes on these up-and-coming rising stars and killers of the division. That's not what Colby's been doing his last couple of fights. I mean, he beat Masvidal. He beat Tyron Woodley. Um, he's not beating these guys, though, at the peak of their powers. So I can't see Colby taking the fight. I'd love it if he did, um, but I'm not giving too much weight to that. And then, of course, Usman uh, ranked first. He's facing Leon Edwards. Very intriguing. I want to see who they give Shavkat next. Uh, in my opinion, given that He's just beat someone who's ranked seventh. I think the Jack Della Maddalena fight doesn't make sense. Although, I mean, Jack definitely deserves someone inside the top 10. Uh, But that Shavkat beat someone who's seventh. So now Shavkat shouldn't have to face someone behind him. He's on a tear towards the title shot. Um, But yeah, Shavkat and Jack Della. Welterweight really starting to kick off. And you've still got these classic fixtures of 170. Like Col- Covington, Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson. So there's still those, those classic guys. But now, we're seeing some fresh faces making a real fair shake of the sauce bottle. Shavkat in the fight of the night, submitting Jeff O'Neill. Jeff O'Neill? That's not his name. I don't know where that O came from, ah, but it came. It came right in the middle. Jeff O'Neill. Who the fuck is that? Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Rachmaninoff by submission over Jeff Neal. Now, the two title fights. This is worth sinking our teeth into. Starting with the women's flyweight title fight. Alexa Grasso. Valentina Shevchenko. I will admit as well, before this fight, I put my money on Shevchenko, but there was absolutely no value there. And it was kind of like a, not a huge staple because it was no value, but... I'll just say this. Had this one, then I really would have made some money. But before the fight, there were a couple of things on my mind. The first thing, I was actually thinking back to the co-main event between Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena uh, because that was a very similar circumstance where I was having like a perfect card and then there was just this shock, shock upset. So I did think about that and I'm like, Alexa Grasso, is legit, I've been picking her in all her fights leading up to this, so believe me, I understand just how good Alexa Grasso is uh, but that was my first thought, my second thought was okay u f c is opening a performance institute in Mexico. We now have Brandon Moreno, a Mexican champion, Yaya Rodriguez, interim champion, and Mexican, of course. Um, and then I started thinking, well, they've got Grasso and Irene Aldana fighting for the belt as well. Maybe the UFC looking for a bit of that Mexican cash and looking to promote the Mexican fighters. And I'm not saying this is like a conspiracy, like, oh, they're trying to, you know, pull some strings. I was just saying, okay, looks like the UFC has a vested interest in the Mexican region and Mexican fighters. They've got Two of the women's belts being contested uh, with two of those challenges. Being Mexican, I just started thinking, hey, maybe maybe it would be favorable for the UFC if Grasso was to win, make a huge star on a huge night. John Jones, main event, a lot of eyeballs on the product. That's kind of why I think they went with Shavkat beforehand as well, because you get so many casual viewers and just... Like so many people who wouldn't know who Shavkat Rukmanov is or wouldn't be quite aware of what level he's at. Throw him on the card with John Jones, all of a sudden a fuck ton of people start to realise how good he is. Uh, and this another kind of opportunity for the UFC to have a huge moment. Everyone's watching. John Jones is coming back. But before John Jones, we got another title fight for you. And all of a sudden, Alexa Grasso. Beats Shevchenko. Shevchenko, another name that even the casual fan will know and be able to appreciate uh, the levels to her game. Alexa Grasso comes in, submits her in the fourth round. A new star is born. And look, it seems like they're definitely going to go the rematch. Uh, Shevchenko, of course, could step up to bantamweight. uh, But 125 is where it's at, as I said. Now, interestingly... My biggest prospect, my biggest contender, and the person who I had slated had to be the one to take Shevchenko down, Aaron Blanchfield. Ah, uh, it's interesting to see what happens here because now if they go the rematch, Blanchfield won't get an immediate title shot. Maybe they go Blanchfield, Talia Santos. I fucking forgot to mention Talia Santos earlier when I was talking about how stacked this woman's flyweight division is. Talia Santos. Women's flyweight is epic. I really don't think uh, that the women's flyweight division gets the flowers it deserves. It's just getting better and better and better. And one of my faves, Casey O'Neill, returning to action as well in a couple of weekends' time. So 125 is where it's at. So I think for that reason, Shevchenko, Grasso, uh, a second fight running it back would make a ton of sense. Uh, And we see what happens with the likes of Blanchfield. Talia Santos, Manon Fior. Uh, this can kind of give them an opportunity to come out, get a dominant win, and just say, I am fucking definitely next. Because Blanchfield, I think if Valentina wins here, then Blanchfield should have been next. Um, and look, she was super dominant over Jessica Andraj. But now that there's a bit of time between now and then, and you have to assume Shevchenko and Grasso are going to run it back, you'd have to assume that... Um, Blanchfield will have to fight at least one more fight now to become a contender for the belt. So I think they should run this one back. I'd love to see Talia Santos and Blanchfield, which was originally supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it seems like in a couple of divisions we're starting to have some clarity. Um, and look, if John Jones wasn't on this card, I think moment of the night, undoubtedly, Alexa Grasso wins the title. A special moment. Even as someone who had bet against her, like I just couldn't help but smile and feel really good about that. Grasso, just such a quality fighter. She's worked her way here over a long period of time. This hasn't been an overnight success story. She grinded away at the women's strawweight division or in the women's strawweight division and it just didn't seem quite the fit for her. Then Grasso moves to 125 pounds and she just goes on an absolute roll. Now, I remember after her last fight, a main event against Viviani Araujo... uh, Oh, wow. What the fuck just came out of my mouth? Uh, Araujo. uh, I remember after that, Grasso did say she'd like one more five-round fight before taking on the champion. So I was kind of surprised to see that they decided to go with this one. Now Grasso looks like she didn't need one more five-round fight after all. And just having a look... She's one, two, three, four, five. Five consecutive wins for Alexa Grasso. Just so happens that all five of those fights co-align with her move up to 125. So that was clearly the right call. She seems to be a natural in the flyweight division and only the second submission win of her career. She's known for her boxing, uh, but she got it done with a submission. Funnily enough, I actually had Shevchenko winning by submission in this one, so. Props to Grasso, like it was fucking unbelievable. Just having a look at Valentina's record, that's the first time she's ever been submitted. 27 career fights, Alexa Grasso, the only fighter to have ever submitted Valentina Shevchenko. Let that sink in, and yeah, what's next for Grasso? Seems like Shevchenko, and what a moment that was. This main card. the reason I paid for this uh, pay-per-view, it's because this main card was epic. I was like, I genuinely am invested in all five of these fights. So, massive win for Grasso. And then, of course, the main event. John Jones. There's not even much to say that I haven't said already. Like the aura around this walkout, the fact that he made it look so easy. Well, the fight was only a couple of minutes. There's not a ton I can say. It looks like we know what's next. Stipe Miocic's next. And now there's obviously a lot of conversation about Francis Ngannou. I'm really bummed the way that the whole thing went down. Like, my first thought after the fight last night was like, fuck me, I wish we got to see Jones Ngannou. And that was just a very brief thought. I was loving what I was seeing. John Jones is the new champion, the celebrations. Like, I wasn't dwelling on the Ngannou thing. But, I mean, Cyril Ghan just got rolled. I was like, fucking, surely Francis Ngannou would have stood even just slightly more of a chance. Not just that, but a punch's chance. Like, I was always more curious to see Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. And look, I'm sure what I say, like, I'd rather see Francis Ngannou versus John Jones, there's going to be people who are just jumping, rushing in my face, like, John Jones would have smashed him. That wouldn't have been a different result at all. And to those people... I say, shut, shut up, shut, shut, fucking, shut up. I didn't ask. I would have much preferred Francis Ngannou versus Jon Jones. The whole way the UFC acted and Dana White and all that shit was fucking lame. And Dana White has the balls to act like, no, this is the bigger fight. We've lost nothing from losing Francis Ngannou. We got Jon Jones. What? I didn't slap my wife. Let's announce fucking some banger main events, coincidentally a couple of weeks after slapping my wife, so people stopped talking about it. Dana White acts like Francis Ngannou, meh. Like, we don't need him, he's expendable. Uh, well, i tell you what, it would've been a bigger deal, and yesterday was a huge deal. Yesterday felt like a monumental deal, and it would've been way bigger, way fucking bigger. Had it been Ngannou versus Jones, that would be my only negative talk about yesterday, but it would have been bigger. You have the fucking champion. Cyril Ghan wasn't the champion. You would have Francis Nganu. Yes, he did hold the division up. That's the fight I would have preferred to see because we know that Francis Nganu lands one of those huge fucking punches. John Jones is coming up from 205. This ain't like a 10-pound jump. This is a big jump to the heavyweight division. So, yeah, Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. And now I'm hearing Dana White like Francis Ngannou is never coming back. I'm like, okay, well, fair enough. But that's, that's the fight. That's the fight. Stipe vs John Jones will be epic. But like is Stipe how many fights has he got left in his career? You know? Franciscano and John Jones was the fight. But it wasn't to be, so we shall not dwell on it. Yeah, it just would have been a much bigger deal. But yeah, John Jones just steamrolls through Surreal Garn, submits him in the first round, dual champion, the GOAT, so many other things. And now uh, yeah, John Jones. That's about it. Just caps off a fucking big old card with some big old consequences and big old stakes in a few different v- divisions. So there's some fucking thing going on outside. I don't know if you can hear that. Shut up. You know? Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's it. That's the whole fucking card. The performance highlights, my thoughts, my comments. Not much else to do. So yeah. It's been a while since I've done the thoughts and comments as well. Usually it's a live reaction, but I was just feeling in the moment yesterday. I was living in the moment, not a phone in sight. And then I thought, you know what? I do want to give my thoughts and comments on that though. So here we are. That was today's podcast. And going forward, thoughts and comments. Uh, I've started a new job. So sometimes I work Sundays. So essentially, if I am working, there will not be thoughts and comments. If I'm not working, there will be thoughts and comments. So that's how it's gonna work. I'll keep you updated, but every week from this week through the rest of the year, I'm gonna be doing my predictions. Again, 12 from 14 on that last pay-per-view card. Not just 12 from 14 head-to-head. Like we're talking a lot of exact predictions. We're even talking picking the rounds that they're winning in. So. We're in some pretty decent form. Now feels like the perfect time to bring the weekly preview and predictions back. So definitely keep your eyes and of course your ears peeled because uh, during this week, a uh, bit closer to the weekend, but I want to get it out early this week. I'm gonna have all my picks from this weekend's card in Las Vegas. Jan up against Davishvili. And yeah, that's gonna be a fun card. It's gonna be nothing on UFC 285. Obviously, um, but I'm still going to give all my picks, predictions, and I'm just trying to rack rack my brain, my big giant uh, genius brain. Am I working this Sunday? I don't think I am, so I'm pretty sure we will be doing another Thoughts and Comments if you're hanging out to hear uh, my thoughts on some lower, lower level matchups. That was a bit disrespectful, but I mean, there's fucking nowhere here as big as yesterday's pay-per-view but it's still gonna be a fun card. Now, bear with me, just bear with me for one second because I can tell you right now whether we'll be doing a thoughts and comments this weekend, just getting my roster up, just working out which year we're living in at this current time, and no. No, I'm not working Sunday. I'm not working Sunday, so we will have a thoughts and comments. And yeah, there we go. I mean, it's been a bit messy. It's been a bit unprofessional. You don't usually have podcasts where, you know, the guy's fucking a little bit off with the fairies, but uh, nonetheless, UFC 285 thoughts and comments, baby. That's how we do it. Am I fucking working or not? Sorry, I thought this would be quicker. Pulling up rosters in, like, April. All right. 30th of the first. How am I in fucking January now? All right, I just, I had to hit pause. Shit was getting crazy. The good news, I'm not working this Sunday. So there will be a UFC Thoughts and Comments Live Reactions podcast. That's right. I'm going to be sitting down watching the card. It's not going to be the day after. It's going to be during the card. So you're going to get my raw thoughts on all the action. Thoughts and comments for UFC Fight Night. Jan Dalshvili. Uh, we've also got Alexander Volkov vs Alexander Romanov. On that card, that one that is one that excites me. Uh, Krylov and Span are gonna compete after their main event was scratched on the last card. Sayed Namagomedov, Jonathan Martinez, that's a fucking fun fight right there. There's some fun ones, uh, there's some ones that are a bit less noteworthy, but nonetheless, I mean, they're all fighting in the UFC, they are all competing within their own divisions, and it's still very important to rack up those wins and move forward within the division. It doesn't matter if you are the 15th ranked, the first ranked, or whether you're fucking 200th ranked. You know? It just matters to keep those wins coming and move forward in the division. Now, speaking of moving forward, I have been fucking talking some nonsense. So let's now move forward and look forward to the next podcast. That's gonna be my picks for the fight night. Uh, I'll make it a bit shorter for the prelims, won't keep you too long, uh, and then a proper deep dive on the main card. But that is it for today UFC 285 thoughts and comments. If you enjoyed the podcast, even if you fucking hated it, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Not Just a Sports Report. You'll be able to see all the performance highlights when they are first posted. You'll be able to know as soon as new podcasts are out along with plenty of other content. And if Instagram is not your go, well, you can just follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on, and you'll be able to see as soon as the next podcast is out. That is it from me tonight. Until next time, there is nothing else to do, but take care. And of course, enjoy your weeks. May all your weeks be fruitful, and all your dreams come true. Thank you. Alright, get ready. I'm going to freestyle rap over the speed. Nah, joking. Good night. Thanks for listening.